0: Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the City of Champions podcast, proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This particular City of Champions episode is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities, which is huge because if you're anything like me, you know, working from home can get a little bit isolating. Sometimes you just need to shake things up a bit. It's located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. Okay, my guest this week is Omar Mazla, and he's a journalist for the Metro Star Edmonton who writes on a variety of important topics, but specifically I wanted to talk to him about his writing on racism. Omar has experienced some notoriety of late, Uh, because of an article he wrote exposing some extremist and racist behavior taking place right here in Edmonton. When I saw the article's headline, which reads, citizens don't feel safe as hate fills the streets of Edmonton. My initial gut reaction was skepticism and denial, uh, but thinking more about it, I couldn't really figure out why that would be my first response instead of just one of belief and concern. Uh, So I knew I needed to work this out a little bit so omar was kind enough to agree to come talk to me and share some of the insight he's gained while covering the bubbling undertones of of racism across the country uh, in this province and in edmonton specifically a lot of the discussion was way outside of my wheelhouse Uh, i felt like i was struggling a bit with the terminology at times but i appreciate how thoughtful uh, well-spoken and engaging a person omar was to talk with and he certainly helped me understand a lot Uh, So these are important issues we're discussing, and Omar's got a really interesting perspective. Uh, So I know you're all going to enjoy hearing him speak. So please enjoy my conversation with Omar Mazda. Omar, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, anytime. Um, I know uh, your workday's done, but the work never stops uh, 24-7 in the news cycle.
1: Sometimes like that, yeah. The world's
0: crazy right now.
1: Sure is. Alberta's crazy, Edmonton's crazy, Canada's crazy, the globe's crazy. It's just uh, trying to figure it all out.
0: You just kind of got thrown into a little little mini media storm here in the last couple weeks now. Um, I see the word backlash getting thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's get a quick summary of kind of what's happened, and then I want to kind of backpedal into sort of who you are a little bit, where you came from, Sure. and then we'll jump back into contemporary insane times. For sure. Well first thing I always say from
1: the last couple of interviews I did is that I've gotten a lot more positive feedback. <clears throat> and that's really important because it's not just trolls out there yelling at us. Like it shows that these people, are, these issues are really resonating with people and it's really struck a nerve in Edmonton. Uh, but having said that, you know, you get your standard people being defensive like, oh, you know, this headline is blowing the issue out of proportion or mm-hmm. we don't really feel like racism is that big of an issue here. Or some people like specifically critiquing points saying like, oh, you know, um, to call this neo-Nazism is, you know, inflammatory or Mm -hmm. to to say that criticizing Islam as a religion is racist, is unfair because it's a religion, it's Mm -hmm. not a race. Right. We can get into that separately. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, but the real um, storm Mm -hmm. came when when my story was posted on a yellow vest canada page Mm -hmm. and the yellow vest movement is one i've covered quite extensively it's ostensibly about uh economic issues but there's clearly uh other issues simmering beneath the surface of xenophobia and you know Mm anti-immigration so these people have a particular uh slant and are very defensive about anything when it comes to racism so people were very upset about this article but then you get the people who are saying stuff like oh well Naturally, it's coming from a guy named Omar, while at the same time
0: defending themselves as not being racist. Right. So like
1: It's just this kind of weird...
0: So because situation. because I'm going to assume that a lot of people in my audience uh, don't know what the Yellow Vest movement is, only because I didn't really know mm-hmm. until I started doing more research to talk with you today. Um, and it's weird, because it's one of those things that I was aware of on the periphery of my world. Yeah. I knew that there was something called the Yellow Vest protest. I knew that it had... It was across Canada and there was a convoy organized, but looking into it, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but it was sort of a, a grassroots movement started in France uh, by sort of the working class people about the economic disparity that had developed in the country, uh, sort of a widening wage gap, increase in fuel charges, um, a government that seemed to be more on the side of the wealthy than the, than the mm-hmm. mass part of the population. Yeah. Um, so I think I got that part mostly right. Very much. And then that kind of that that movement started popping up around the world in different countries. Now don't care about the other countries at this point, but in Canada, I'm thinking so it it popped up uh, here, and again, it kind of took the form of the economic grassroots movement. But then it sort of got shifted a little bit and into what has been kind of called a a white supremacist, xenophobic, Mm -hmm. a little bit anti-Islamic, anti-globalization sentiment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the Yellow Vest movement was was one of the weirdest things I've ever covered. <clears throat> it was just there was so much going on and so much doublespeak and then so many uh, com- competing interests. So, like, you'd go to these rallies and people would say stuff like, oh, yeah, I'm here to support pipelines and oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And there are some parallels with the movement in France, like, for example, the carbon tax. Because in France, a big thing was I believe they raised the price on diesel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they were saying, you know, you're basically trying to make life harder for for everyday Canadians by imposing things like carbon tax. Fair. But then you get people who are like, oh, but also, we're also here about illegal immigration and this UN migration. (laughs) While we've got you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. And like, it's like, wait a minute. These are two different issues. Why are we conflating them as one? And and that's kind of where the like xenophobia piece comes in. Because when, when you talk to these people, you start to learn that it's not just about oil and gas, but also that they believe... You know, like the Canadian government is, is giving more support to immigrants or mm-hmm. refugees, and that's also undermining mm-hmm. everyday Canadians. So and then like the deeper I, I would always call it the rabbit hole. Yeah. Because the deeper you get it's, in That's what it's the weirder like. it gets. A hundred percent. And then yeah, like as you mentioned, um, there's a big a big piece of it is Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a distinct focus on, on Islam as sort of this uh Trojan horse movement that's gonna come into Canada. Like the idea is that the Canadian government is is part and parcel of some conspiracy mm-hmm. to bring in migrants and refugees, primarily from Islamic countries, to replace the white population. Mm-hmm. And there's people who really, really, truly believe that.
0: So what is, do you have any idea, like, what the, the genesis of this idea was? Well, hold on, I'm almost finished. The okay. globalism
1: piece is important, too, okay. because that's when the anti-Semitism comes in. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of talk about sort of, like, global power brokers or Mm -hmm. like uh financial magnets like george soros kind of pulling the strings Mm -hmm. on this Mm
0: -hmm. sort of Um, illuminati stuff illuminati stuff right
1: and then so there's this idea that uh primarily jewish power brokers or like jewish figures like george soros want to replace the white north american population (laughs) and that is like a deep rooted conspiracy theory that has all sorts of uh
0: Stems from all sorts of places. In terms of the genesis of this, um, <clears throat> well, just that specific like um, Islamic um, or anti-Islamic sort of sentiment that they're going to come and yeah. take over everything.
1: It's 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 what's based on what's happening in Europe. Okay, so it's basically like if you look at Germany, France, and England, mm-hmm. and uh, refugees, mm-hmm. they're they are definitely facing like a culture clash in some areas. Mm-hmm. Like um, Germany took in one million refugees, so. Obviously, you're going to run into some issues there. Right. I believe Canada took in 40,000. Okay. So, not quite the same thing. Right. right. But basically, like, they're they're looking at England. They're looking at France. They're looking at Germany. And they're hearing about things like mass rapes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, how much of that is based in reality. I think there has been definitely some incidences, but I don't know if you would, if you would characterize it as a mass mm-hmm. thing. But basically, they're seeing how, like, um, they feel. <clears throat> the original European inhabitants of these countries are being undermined by refugees and migrants who are kind of taking up the healthcare and education systems, right. and Getting handouts from the government and
0: just sort of taking their place in society. It's ironic because you know, well, less so in Europe, but certainly over here, you know, we're we're a continent of immigrants and yeah. and migrants, and that's you know how, totally how we got our start. And you know, I, I saw I've seen a lot of. Um, a lot of people on on sort of the the protesters' side saying things like we want to preserve our way of life mm-hmm. and we want to you know we're, we're worried about our, our core values getting eroded but yeah. it just seems to me that there's no point in no example in history where a culture has lasted forever mm-hmm. right like those who fight change are always on the losing side because things are always changing and, True. and melding together and, and you know I think I think we're not the same as our parents. Yep. We're not the same as our grandparents. Totally. So what is this culture that we're trying to preserve, right? Especially in Canada, yeah. like Canada is the melting pot or the mm-hmm. mosaic, whatever yeah. you want to call it, right? Yeah, the and states so, is the melting pot. We're supposed to be the mosaic, <laughs> yeah. where we still we're not blending together. But we're celebrating our differences. I think, like when you do look at a place
1: like England or France, <clears throat> I get it to some mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. Like these are countries that have been there for thousands of years, and like you can literally say like if you're Danish mm-hmm. and like, you know, your family's been there for thousands of years, mm-hmm. you can like trace your bloodline and say, I am Danish. This is what it means to be Danish. Mm-hmm. Fair. Okay. But you can't say that in Canada. No. Like we're literally all immigrants. Yeah. Unless you're indigenous. Mm-hmm. So it just, it doesn't stand.
0: And where do you draw the line? Like, is there, you know, a four or five generation statute of limitations, right? <laughs> yeah, Like, Yeah, exactly. Like who, who's even make that call?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm not the man to answer that.
1: I'm, I'm a first generation, second generation immigrant, I guess. Um, Is that, does that mean you were born here? Or your parents were born. I here? was born here. You were born here, but I still consider myself an immigrant, and I think I'm technically still an immigrant because my parents were immigrants. I don't know.
0: No, if you're born here,
1: you're Canadian, right? Yeah, but I, I think some people still use the term second generation immigrant. Oh, okay. I, I'm not an expert on that. You'd be more of one than I. Would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like in terms of drawing the line. I I, I said this in the Connolly interview, I think it is really important to criticize the immigration system and Mm -hmm. to criticize radical Islam. Mm -hmm. Islamism, radical Islam, radical Islamic terrorism, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It's a problem, right? Like for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one thing to say, you know, I have a problem with how Islam is being practiced in this specific country, Mm -hmm. or by this specific regime. But to say all Muslims... Are this. Right. That is racist. Right. And, and when I first started writing these articles, I was very hesitant to use the term racist. Mm-hmm. I would say xenophobic or anti-immigrant. Right. Now as I, you should be, right? That's a big label to throw on It someone. is. But I've become comfortable using it, particularly with uh, some of these groups I've been covering, mm-hmm. the patriot groups.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, as, as these Yellow Vest protesters have kind of... Um, Grown mm-hmm. and they, there's some even taking place in Edmonton here. Um, it seems, and again, correct me if I'm wrong on this because I'm by no means an expert and just just trying to learn.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it seems that more far right extremists uh, with these cra- like wild views mm-hmm. are using the Yellow Vest protests as a as sort of a springboard Pretty to much. to propagate their own viewpoints.
1: Yeah, they were taking cover
2: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> um, for a while. Soldiers of Odin would would show up. So soldiers of Odin. Uh, Characterizes itself as a patriot group that is there to protect Canadian values and Canadian heritage. Um, they, in in Norway? Finland, I think. Finland or yeah. Norway? Yeah.
0: Well, I read Finland. I think it was Finland, yeah. I think online. Right. The guy there on. has,
1: like, clear ties to neo-Nazi movements. Okay. The guy who founded them. Yeah. And then here, um, some of the members have clearly posted, like, Islamophobic stuff online, mm-hmm. so as much as they say, oh, we're not racist, they they're, they're clearly not that into islam so anyways when they started uh doing stuff in the city like going to hand out stuff to uh homeless people like in in the Boyle street area mm-hmm. um they were like roundly rejected like they basically got kicked off the turf mm-hmm. whereas the yellow vest movements that never happened they, right. they were basically accepted and and it seemed like to some extent they were serving as security mm-hmm. because you'd have these counter-protesters protesters show up with their with their Faces covered right. and uh, you know like these soldiers of Odin guys tend to be big burly guys so they yeah. would basically like stand up against them and it seemed like the yellow vests um, like I had spoken with people who said you know what we would w- we'd rather them they-, they don't come but at right. the same time we can't kick them out for being here mm-hmm. so they certainly weren't getting kicked out mm-hmm. but not everyone was you know openly supporting them
0: right
2: but
1: they like they found a place where they were essentially welcome
0: were the soldiers of odin were they also wearing yellow vests or were they showing up nope. in, in their own vests? they were wearing their own vests, their own vests, <laughs> a with...
1: confluence of vests
0: yeah it's it's wild i watched some of those videos and it's it's funny because like okay so when i when i first read the headline and uh, i'm gonna forget the exact headline what was it the first uh, article you wrote i
1: believe it was i've got it right here citizens don't feel safe as hate fills Edmonton Street.
0: Right. So, okay. So, as someone who um, hasn't ever experienced it and I don't think has ever doled it out, mm-hmm. um, my initial reaction was um, resistance. It mm-hmm. was, it was, um, no, that can't be right. Like, come on, really? Like, I live in Edmonton. I'm around downtown all the time. I don't see any of this. Hmm. And so I started to think, and well, I reached out to you first because I wanted to talk to you. And then I started to think a lot about it. And Mm -hmm. said, okay, like, why is that my gut reaction versus, oh, really? Like, I didn't know that. Why was it resistance? And I think the answer is because I don't want it to be true, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that, that's a big problem. Yeah. Um, is that people don't want it to be true, so they they fight against it, right? That sort of that standpoint of, um, totally. of opinion, and That's- then I, you know, and then I, I started thinking, okay, well, it, if it is true, um, you know, something needs to be done because I don't think anyone should experience hate for any reason Um, and definitely not violence right Mm -hmm. like there's one thing to be said for free speech and I think that free speech really shows who knows what they're talking about and shows who's (laughs) a crazy radical and doesn't know what they're talking about so that's important to be able to be able to identify the extremists right Mm -hmm. Um, but then I started to think um, okay well if it is true is there a benefit to talking about it? Is right. there a benefit to exposing it? Mm-hmm. You know, there's sort of that that social contagion. It's it's the sort of same thing that happens. You know, when a notable person commits suicide, you mm. see you see suicide spike afterwards, um, or mass shootings, for example. Yeah. When you publicize, there's super tons of controversy on whether you should publicize the shooter's name, and I'm sure you will know all this, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's your take on the the sort of publication or publicization of these kind of things? Um, I think it needs to be called out. I mm-hmm. think it was. I'm not going to quote the
1: politician who said "sunshine is the best disinfectant," but uh, <laughs> okay, I like it. It's true, and I think it's really interesting what you said about like resistance, mm-hmm. because I find that is the the initial reaction from mm-hmm. a lot of people who are have their hearts are in the right place and understand these issues. It's it's just this kind of defensiveness. Yeah, and I 100%. think I think it's because people recognize at the end of the day, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, and that's a lot to accept, mm-hmm. right? Like. It's not enough to say racism is bad. Mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers and what we as a society need to do but mm-hmm.
0: I think the first step is definitely
1: talking about it mm-hmm. and saying racism is bad. <laughs> yeah. Well
0: that's that that should be that should be a given, right? Like yeah. that's yeah. that's just sort of the you know written into the fabric of mm-hmm. us. It well, should not just be bad, but
1: that it exists and it's growing, I guess right. better. Right.
0: So okay, if you're not part of the problem or if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So let's unpack that a little bit because yeah. again, my first well, that's it,
1: quite that's quite damning too though. Yeah, well that, again
0: because my first in, my first reaction to that would be a little bit of resistance it's mm-hmm. like, well, I, I don't think I'm at any part of the solution at this point, but am I part of the problem? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I am. I, you know, I certainly feel like talking to you and having you on the podcast here is a first step in maybe totally. helping spread a little bit of awareness. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just as guilty of, of this social contag- contagion kind of theory that, that mm-hmm. I'm saying might not be the best thing. But I mean, there's something to be said on the side of exposing it. Yeah. You know, so maybe said on normalizing social behavior by having it in the media. Um, but I think if you can drum up more support from the people that, uh, you know, that are going to fight on your side, then then maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) No, totally. Like Wolf said, at the end of the day,
1: we need to get support. We need people to understand these issues. We need to get attention to these issues. I don't have the answers. Like I'm a reporter. I report what I see. I report what I hear. That's what I did. It got a lot of attention. Um... But, yeah, like, I don't I don't necessarily know what the solution is. Like right. It's, it's, you know, as a reporter, I have my one stance. As a brown Muslim dude, yeah. I have another stance yeah. because, like, the, the issues affect me and I'm mm-hmm. involved in them. But, like, I don't have any magical solutions. I, right. think, I think the first step is, you know, what we're doing, talking about it, getting yeah. other people to talk about it and think about it.
0: Do you think the reaction to the article would have been different if the guy who looks like me wrote it with my name? I think so. Yeah. Honestly, How do you think it would have been different?
1: Oh, man, that's a really tough question. I was talking about one of my colleagues about this. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's see, this this comes on the heels of a lot of discussion in Edmonton saying we don't have enough people of color covering these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a big Twitter discussion sparked by Bashir Mohammed who uh, who I had mentioned earlier, and um, yeah, like he I think he basically said, are there any non-white members of the press gallery here? And the answer was no. And then I remember responding to one of his tweets where he said, are there any non-white reporters covering extremism or hate? And I responded, yes. (laughs) And he was like, oh, yeah, Omar, yeah, I've been reading your work. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, so on one end of the spectrum, if a white guy wrote it, I would imagine there would be at least one pundit saying, you don't fully understand this (laughs) issue because you're not affected. Yeah, We hear that all the time, right? right? Which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think if you spend enough time in these communities – and interact with these communities mm-hmm. you can report on it because at the end of the day you're not putting yourself in the story that's not mm-hmm. what we're supposed to do right. right on the other side of the spectrum I feel like some people are like oh he's blowing this issue up because he is Muslim yeah so like there's no winning
0: yeah there's <laughs> yeah there's for sure gonna be that on both sides right yeah. I mean at the end of the day people's natural response is cynicism to most things right
1: I'm being cynic I'm being a cynic right now when I say that I do believe this story resonated with people more because it came from someone who is affected by it. Okay. And understands it.
0: So that's a good thing, then.
1: It's a good thing, but it's also a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. As a reporter, I just you know I don't like attaching myself to the mm-hmm. story. I don't like getting attention. Mm-hmm. I like when my stories get attention. Of course. But I don't want to be getting the attention. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like, I just want to be some like invisible figure behind the curtain <laughs> that sends articles out into the world. Well, let's let's but put, it, does, it doesn't work that way.
0: Right? Let's put it this way: I would have reached out to you regardless if you were white or black or yellow or per- I think, purple or green, whatever you were, and I was just interested in the. Story. Story, but yeah. It just happens you're you're a cool guy as well. So that that works in our favor here. Fair enough. Um can you ever truly be non-biased though, like as a journalist in, in any or on any avenue of life? Like I think we're all beholden to our subjective experience. And that's not even just on like racial matters or con- controversial matters. It's just yeah, we only know our own exact sovereign existence. Exactly. Like
1: even just your limited knowledge mm-hmm. is a bias. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, is it possible to be completely non biased? I don't think so. I think you can strive towards it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think you can have like reporting that is non biased. Mm-hmm. But as a person, you have to recognize your
0: bias mm-hmm. and dismiss it or, you know, counterbalance it. Right. Would it be better to try that and go that avenue or would it be better to? acknowledge your bias and then write from your bias as an opinion. I guess that's an opinion piece. Yeah, it's an
1: opinionist and then a columnist, right? And yeah. And they have a very strong role in journalism. They're, they basically inflame people and get people thinking about these issues in, in a way that we as reporters can't. Mm-hmm. Like, I can present all this stuff that's happening, but I can't put my opinion into it. And, right. like, I do have a lot of opinions. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But um, they're just... That's not my role as a reporter. So
0: I think we need to have both. Mm-hmm. How, like... How are you ever? Do you ever have the desire to to, to put opinion pieces out there? Like, do you, oh, have, yeah. do you have a separate feed? Like, do you have a stream that's like, all right, this is my reporting, but this is like my my opinion. I don't a blog. It doesn't go out there. No, it just gets
1: yelled into the ether and into the newsroom.
0: <laughs> Comes out in podcasts. Well, I used
1: yeah to an extent. Um, I used to write columns for weekly newspapers where I worked at. Mm-hmm. So I like columns and I like expressing my opinion on these issues. But I'm not quite there yet. And especially like racism and extremism far right mm-hmm. i wouldn't be comfortable expressing my opinion on that just yet mm-hmm. it's uh it's, it's a weird territory
0: yeah i think i am i'm gonna cop out like and and you know ask a question but that kind of goes directly against your headline but like do you feel safe walking around in edmonton
1: oh what part of
0: Edmonton <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> do i, mean, I feel on safe? average yes yeah
1: yeah i feel safe um especially like in the context we're speaking of in terms mm-hmm. of hate um, I've I've never felt anything that that put my sense of safety at risk. Mm-hmm. I th- if anything, I'd be more concerned about like some drunk guy or someone on drugs, yeah, like on Jasper Abbott two in the morning, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, in terms of like safety related to my identity,
0: mm-hmm. no, yeah, and I, I mean, do. I guess that's that's a good thing. Obviously, but we have to probably be vigilant in, in order to ensure that this doesn't go farther than it is. Right? right.
1: I feel like female journalists have it a lot worse than journalists of color. Right. They just get targeted
0: online, especially. Yeah. It's really disheartening. It's the whole online, social media, just the, the things that get hurled around is absolutely brutal. Totally. And, and that was like one of the really... Things
1: that drove me to write this article mm-hmm. because I've seen these like neo-Nazi slogans peddled online in you know all these nasty spaces online, and that's just something we accept. Like that's part of the internet, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you just kind of—it's the crazy uncle thing, right? It's like, crazy uncle you write thing. it off as your crazy racist mm-hmm. uncle.
1: Yeah, and it's just you know that, that's a big part of it, but it's also the keyboard warrior mm-hmm. effect, right? Like these people are anonymous, mm-hmm. um, faceless. They post whatever they want, and we've just accepted this is part of the internet. Mm-hmm. But when I saw those same words being said at Churchill Square that to me was out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. like this is not normal Mm -hmm. and I accept people have done this before like you know saying public public things like that but that just took things to another level for me when I was like this isn't even trolls on the internet anymore this is a guy saying to this at Churchill Square Mm -hmm. being cheered on by other people in broad daylight and like it's just normalized Mm -hmm. that is really what drove me to write this article
0: What's the best, like, what What's the best thing for someone to do if they see that happening down at Churchill Square? Stand up against it, I guess, which is what the the counter protesters do. But like,
1: honestly, it's a really tough thing to face. I'll, like, here's a story. I I once was on the bus mm-hmm. and I experienced racism and I didn't intervene. To yourself,
0: or you saw someone
1: else? No, I saw someone else. Okay. So a really drunk guy, young, yeah. and another guy. Being like, oh, I'll go back to your country, blah blah blah. <laughs> I was of African descent. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was gonna intervene, and then I, you know, I was like basically right at my bus stop, and the guy was really drunk, and I didn't. Mm. And to this day, it haunts me, like that I just, I didn't do anything. Yeah. It. I tweeted. I remember tweeting about it, saying like I just experienced this, and I just witnessed this, and I didn't do anything. And I feel horrible. So like it's not easy mm-hmm. you know especially when it's like a dangerous situation like of that course. so like i don't fault anyone
0: for anything mm-hmm. unless you're going to churchill square and saying these things so blatantly right as, like, you, as you played that scenario over your head a thousand times since it happened what would you have done differently if you could go back
1: um i would have just stepped in and started talking to the guy who was being harassed yeah yeah and be like hey man you're doing okay, and just try and completely like mm-hmm. disregard the other person, and just show support to that person. Yeah, I didn't do it though, man. And it, it, like it, I was. It was like one of those days, right? Like I was getting back from <laughs> like, a twelve-hour day. I yeah. just wanted to get home. I was, mm-hmm. You know, it was, but yeah, it sticks with me to this day.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, those are two different situations, though, right? Like you've got someone who is the the victim of hate directly in front of you versus these guys are downtown mm-hmm. just kind of shouting yeah arguably the-,
1: the situation i was in was much
0: worse yeah i mean like that that's a that's a direct that's a direct example of it um but that's so much harder to deal with because you have to go because it's almost like you're required to go in there right mm-hmm. like you're putting yourself in harm's way you don't know what this drunk guy is going to do to you yep. so you know your primal brain is thinking like protect yourself right mm-hmm. and I think like that's number one for all of us is to protect ourselves yeah. right yeah. So if, unless you've premeditated this strategy of how to help someone in this situation true so that's why it's good to talk about and I things, have premeditated you know? it now yeah well exactly <laughs> after like, that
1: like I, I've thought about it now and I actually did a story about someone who was in a similar experience and mm-hmm. getting yelled at called mm-hmm. horrible names in the mall and that story was about how she like went through the reporting process and basically was told by police hey we can't help you out because you know this isn't actually a crime mm-hmm. But, like, so for that story, you know, I spoke with a hate crimes guy, and I was like, hey, what do you do? And that was basically what he said. He's like, just show support to the person who's being harassed. Don't try and confront the uh, instigator Mm -hmm. and just, uh, you know... Try and make the person feel safe.
0: Right. Yeah. You almost try and make the instigator feel stupid, right? By yeah. by supporting the other person, right? No one wants to be on the on the wrong side of, yeah. of group mentality, yeah. right? It was. I think it was um, Jesse Lipscomb yeah. who I talked to. He yeah. said the same thing. You know, because I asked him like, "What would you do in a situation where you saw racism?" He goes, "Just go, go be, or like anyone getting experiencing. Hate, totally. Just just go support them. Go sit next to them. Talk to them. You know, it's it's the best thing you can do. Yeah. So so back to Churchill Square people are walking by i mean do you really want to incite a confrontation by stopping and true and and speaking up against these people yeah yeah and i think i think that's a good
1: point and and like i think the counter protesters who are often referred to referred to as antifa anti-fascists right? yeah. yeah although they're mostly just you know young people who are concerned about yeah. the city but like they would do like A good like they would basically out like over like shout them out yeah and they would show up with like sign like funny signs and stuff and just Mm -hmm. take the attention off them which I love like one of my favorite signs was leave my halal guy alone (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's brilliant you know just inject a bit of humor into it but at the same time shout them down Mm -hmm. and and that that strategy seemed to work pretty well Mm -hmm. I remember one. One at the Alberta legislature where the counter-protesters had like a dance party. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, injected a lot of fun and positivity and, and basically made the yellow vest leave.
0: Yeah. See, that seems like a great strategy to me, but I haven't seen that in the videos at least. I haven't Oh, watched no, those, a couple. Those,
1: those videos, no. that was Those are more recent. And that's when it was escalating. I think this was back in February.
0: Okay. Yeah, because the, the videos of recent are, are more people almost coming to blows. Yeah. There right. are,
1: if you watch that 30-minute video...
0: I haven't seen that one.
1: Yeah, so the one that's embedded in the story Mm -hmm. is just them like yelling at each other. And we felt because it was a short clip that it it did kind of characterize the dynamic we're seeing. Mm -hmm. But there's a longer one that was deemed too profane and long because it's 30 minutes long so we couldn't embed it. But that one, if you watch the whole thing, there are a number of actual fights that Mm -hmm. break out and you can actually see who the instigators are.
0: It's just, it just seems so silly, like these people gathering and shouting at each other. Like it's just so, it's, it's so sad. It's, it's so juvenile. Sa- yeah, it's so juvenile. It's so savage. Like it's literally like kids yeah. on the playground yelling at each <laughs> other. And we know that's like the least productive way to get your message across. Like, you, like emotions are high. Your testosterone is jacked. Your mm-hmm. parasymp- parasympathetic... Is, uh, parasympic nervous system is just wired and you're not thinking straight yeah and i like in the video you just hear people yelling oh you bitch this you bitch that like it's 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 literally like a bar brawl where no one knows (laughs) how it started like i I bartend on the weekends and i've seen a thousand of these right just like everyone's like what happened and i was like i don't know he pushed my buddy and i bumped into this person and then we started throwing (laughs) punches and and he got the best of me like it's
1: yeah it's weird man and like the I'm being a bit judgmental here, but like what blows my mind about these yellow vest people is that like they come out every Saturday and like they're spending all this time doing this. And like these are people with like families yeah. and jobs and it's just I don't
0: I don't know man. What are you doing? Like go <laughs> yeah. do something productive. Go and volunteer. You know, like, man. I appreciate
1: like, like activism and protesting and yeah. making your voice heard. Right. But like after like three months, I'm like the convoy. We don't even want to get into the convoy. Yeah. You guys drove across the country mm-hmm. and you'd ask them, so like, you know, you drove across the country, you spent, in some cases, one guy told me he spent over $100,000. your his own money? Yeah. What? This was like one of the main organizers. Oh, there. okay. So he was like fronting everybody. So yeah. he said.
0: Right.
1: But yeah, I was <laughs> these people, they spent all this money and all this time and energy and gas and yeah. so what did you accomplish? We had our voices heard.
0: Yeah. That's literally as far as it goes. I'd love to know what that that organizer, where he was benefiting from that because it seems that wealthy people aren't out in the streets protesting all that much. right? Right. If someone's got $100,000 to front an initiative, Mm -hmm. it's probably because the pocketbook is benefiting somewhere else. I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. And then, okay, so here's here maybe a more broad question And I only ask you because you cover a lot more things than, sure. I, than I ever cover in my life. But, you know, these people are protesting because the government isn't doing the best job to put them in a position and make money. It's yep. like, well, maybe you need to do something else. Or maybe you got into an industry where <laughs> yeah. you knew how to finite shelf life. Right. And,. Believe me, like, you know, the the pipeline would bring a lot of money and jobs to Alberta. And I I think we need to be realistic about that. We've got it. We should probably use it while we can. So okay, I'm not against that in any means. But like it just it it seems like it's placing the blame on someone else Mm -hmm. for your problems. And I get that the government's there to support you, but sometimes you just need to take matters into your own hands not in the sense of going out and protesting but like figuring out a lifestyle that's going to work for you and your family and and it's really like i think a a lot of this
1: does come down to you know feeling abandoned by the government Mm -hmm. but it it comes down to so much more than just a paycheck Mm -hmm. it's really a feeling of the government doesn't care about me as a canadian Mm -hmm. and it cares more about these refugees and immigrants right it's really an identity thing right
0: And that's such a problem because it just totally glosses over all the things that the government does for us, the things that we've become spoiled by and and just take advantage of day to day, right? Like, literally
1: bought a pipeline.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) like, there's that, but there's the fact that we can walk around the streets and not worried about getting killed or robbed mostly. Count your blessings, right? You know, like. you know when you talk about other places in the world and like mm-hmm. you hear stories about people growing up in in kenya or you know it's like i literally had to worry about my hand getting chopped off because yep. someone was going to steal my watch we've got a pretty good here i think are you kidding me like <laughs> this is the best place in the world yeah <laughs> like
1: yeah. relatively speaking sure no like, totally i i get it man it's it's <clears throat> and that comes into a whole nother thing right like one of the things one of the guys in Toronto who was tracking the yellow vest movement told Mm -hmm. me was that it did seem to be more pronounced in Alberta Mm -hmm. and I think like this is a whole nother discussion point like Alberta I think there was some guy who once said look in the mirror (laughs) yeah but um I don't know like I think Alberta is definitely hurting right now yeah and there are legitimate grievances about how the federal government has dealt with that Mm -hmm. but like don't bring immigrants into like, so that's just gonna you're just losing the message right yeah
0: yeah it's definitely getting diluted um i, I want to talk a little bit about racism sort of more as a concept mm-hmm. right Like, what, what would your definition of racism be let's start there um whew.
1: i guess hating someone for their race <laughs> uh, okay. but like it's, it goes beyond just race um like i think as i as i said earlier criticizing a religion Mm -hmm. is valid Mm -hmm. but also grouping all members of a religion together Mm -hmm. is discriminatory right right because
0: you could be any race as part of religion right yeah I could be Muslim you could be Christian like whatever yep uh,
1: but yeah racism it's, it's a very tough thing because you
0: can't no one number one no one's going
1: to say I'm racist yeah. like find me the, like maybe David Duke or something but <laughs> apart from that you're right. not going to find someone who says that and like how do you like see what's in someone's heart yeah you know like they may say stupid things on social media mm-hmm. um, but like to really understand what someone really truly feels only only that person knows but mm-hmm. I've become more comfortable using the term I think Because um, I think we need to call things what they are. Mm -hmm. And like when when you're focusing on a specific group and and spreading lies about the specific group, it's racism. Mm Mm-hmm it's 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 hate based on <clears throat> someone's identity so i don't know if you want to call it just hate i think that's fine too
0: so i'm just going to ask ask these questions because i kind of want to a i want to know if there's an answer but mm. b i want to kind of highlight how convoluted this all is yeah. right because yeah. it's incredibly complicated i mean we're totally. talking about thousands of years of religion and borders and nationalism mm-hmm. and people moving like it's it's crazy like yeah like <laughs> Our, us as a species we're never meant to live like this mm-hmm. and so we're all just kind of trying to do the best that we can but mm-hmm. would actively promoting your own race be considered racist like it, these people are saying look we're protecting our borders we're just trying to preserve the way of our you know european descendant yeah christian whatever whatever lines they draw mm-hmm. and saying we don't want you here just because you're not us is that racist Like by saying, we're just trying to preserve us. We're not actively out to get you, but we're just not letting you in here. As I was wondering. Yeah. 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 Well, I think by like,
1: I don't think it's racist per se to want to appreciate your heritage. Mm -hmm. But when you say the word protect, you're implying that it's under attack.
0: Under attack or being... Come broke, breached. Yeah, say.
1: yeah. So I think like that particular word, mm-hmm. defend. Like, what are you defending against? Right. So there's more to that statement than just.
0: Yeah, true. That's a d- really good way of looking. Defend or at protect,
1: it. right? Like yeah. What are you defending or protecting it from?
0: Hmm. Okay. And then also, where what's your stance on, sort of our duty as Canadians to to help other people, right? Like to bring in refugees and immigrants, because I was thinking, like, man, it's so. So complicated when we think of you it know the, the, there's no de facto hierarchy of of people who need help and yeah. needs right like we've got everything from um, you know immigrants and refugees we've got marginalized populations that are Mm -hmm. already citizens yeah we've got you know people who are psychologically unwell like what is the hierarchy that which we should be supporting these people
1: i don't have that answer i think we should strive to help as many people as we can in canada we got a lot of land and a lot of resources and Mm -hmm. you know like we're in a position to help people
0: yeah unfortunately it's like when you try to help everyone sometimes you end up Mm -hmm. helping nobody right
1: Yeah, like often you'll hear from people saying things like, oh, well, why are we helping immigrants and refugees when we have homeless veterans? Yeah. Valid point. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the government is trying to help homeless veterans. Like Mm -hmm. I recently wrote about it. Yeah. So like to to just ignore everything the government is doing and and to use that as an example of how they're, you know, have special sympathies for special groups is disingenuous. Because, you know, the the government is trying to dole out help to everyone, Mm -hmm. right? But people, as you said, maybe that's not the best strategy. because no.
0: People love oversimplifying these issues. They, totally. They love it, just saying, that's, oh, well, take that money and put it here. It's like, that's not how it works, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, if only it were that simple, right? But yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: like the whole thing with, with like the idea of protecting one's race, like there was this interesting trend, which is kind of me going on a tangent now, but it's just really interesting because mm-hmm. so there was this thing where like people would put – things around saying it's okay to be white okay yeah and it was basically like this concerted trolling attempt by Mm -hmm. like 4chan users Mm -hmm. where they what's 4chan so 4chan oh man you just you just expose yourself (laughs) what is as what um is that like Fortnite? no 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 okay it's it's just a forum that you don't want to go on okay it's just it's like the sludge of the internet all in one place oh okay all anonymous it's an anonymous forum where people post
0: garbage good I'll take it off the list yeah, <laughs> Places I plan to yeah to go there.
1: but it's also like an organizing place for the far right okay uh so yeah 4chan people came up with a strategy like hey let's post it's okay to be white things around
0: mm-hmm.
1: it with the hope that the media will pick it up. Yeah. So they were trolling the media and everyone fell for it. Okay. Right? So they would post these things around U of A, it's mm-hmm. okay to be white poster, and then the media would report this and say, Oh, like what's going on? Yeah. And then the 4chan users would be like, ha, we're using this against the media because they're like using like this is illustrating how they're blowing these issues out of proportion and mm-hmm. trivializing things and kind of just like subscribing racism to everything. Right. And yeah, I don't know why I brought that up, but I just thought it was fascinating how these groups were like trolling the media.
0: So they had no particular purpose other than to show that the media is sensationalizing things. Exactly. Wow, that's a headline. Hey? Right? Media right? sensationalizes. <laughs> and
1: like just the, like the, <laughs> the level of thought that was put into it. But like a statement like that, it's okay to be white. Mm-hmm. It's very innocuous, right? Mm-hmm. It is okay to be white.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can see the thread that could be pulled from there and how deep that goes.
2: But, yeah. On the
0: surface, you're right. Like, yeah, of course it is. Right. And it's like the
1: Black Lives Matter. Yeah. People say, well, all lives matter. Yeah. Sure. All lives do matter. Yeah. But this is not recognizing the historical injustices mm-hmm. that certain groups face and the historic privilege that white people have faced mm-hmm. or had.
0: Right. Yeah. And so that's a piece of all that, too. That, that one... You know, that's, again, I'm just trying to understand all this stuff. Like, it's, oh, man. it's wild. I read a book recently. <laughs> you um, pick
1: the best topic. Right your head, right? I,
0: I, well, it's important, right? Especially with, you know, the, yeah. the globalization of the world. Like, I, you know, I've traveled a lot. Oh, global, I love going other globalism, places. Globalism,
1: be careful with that word. Well, yeah, what's wrong with that one? <laughs> globalism is,
0: is, is another term that's used, that's
1: often characterized as being veiled anti-Semitism.
0: Veiled anti- Globalism is veiled anti-Semitism. In some context. Help me understand that. So
1: globalism in that particular context refers to basically like the George Soroses of the world okay. trying to control uh, like a global migration system and, oh, okay. and using their corporate influence to...
0: But if George Soros is a Jew mm-hmm. and w- so he's trying to disseminate Jews around the world? No, no, no.
1: He's trying to undermine like white Christian civilization
0: yeah i don't wow man. <laughs> there's there's, it's a leap i mean i've i've heard lots of jewish scholars talk on on um judaism and yeah nothing in there scene like they're like a people like it's hard to join that religion right yeah. like in
1: a sense like
0: they're not out there proselytizing they're not right, trying to right. trying to convert people no no
1: exactly like you basically have to convert through marriage
0: yeah yeah it's not
1: the idea that they're trying to convert the world to Judaism. But like that's I don't know man. They're just
0: trying to tear everyone else down? Basically. Yeah. Okay. There well anyway, and then using Muslims as like a proxy <laughs> it's <just> like a... <laughs> this is so insane like it's too complicated like no one no one is gonna no one would be able to, to mastermind a plot like this not one person and if it's gonna take a thousand people there's no way that thing remains a secret right like <clears throat> you just you hear the Rothschild's name thrown around a lot yeah yeah I've heard that one yeah it's um
1: It's not even a rabbit hole. It's a black hole. That's Mm -hmm. what I started calling it now.
0: (laughs) It seems to me like a lot of people's theories and these people feel like they don't have control. Their lives are slipping away from them and and they're looking for someone to blame. They're looking for for, like any conspiracy theory, right? They're looking to explain something that they don't understand um, because they don't have any power over the situation.
1: Yep. It can all be summed up in three words. And I've used these three words so many times, it's redundant and it's like a meme in our newsroom. Yeah. Jared Wesley, I will always appreciate this from you. (laughs) Zero sum outcome.
0: Zero sum outcome. The zero
1: sum outcome. So what that means is if somebody else is winning, Mm -hmm. that means I must be losing. Right. And in particular, if that someone who's winning doesn't Mm -hmm. look like me or talk to me, Mm -hmm. talk like me then I'm definitely losing and somebody's happy about it. Yeah. So there's this idea that, like, basically what it comes down to is old white men who are losing power in society. Mm -hmm. And and they see the the shift and the change and it's fear, right? Mm -hmm. Often people, like, um, they don't like the term Islamophobia because they're like, you're not scared of Islam. Mm -hmm. You're just against us. Yeah. But no, like in this instance, there's a definite fear. Right. I've seen the fear, like the fear of refugees. Like mm-hmm. I remember at this one rally, the guy was going on about refugees bringing in disease. He's like, you, there will be disease. And he was talking about like the end of days. And I wrote this yellow vest story, like with that kind of lead. I was like, this guy is not talking about the end of days. This is a yellow vest rally in Edmonton. And yeah, there's like a definite fear. And then there is like this fear of, of being replaced.
0: Well, I mean, like we fear the unknown. Right, mm-hmm. so it seems to me that I mean, that's a big part of it. Superficial explanation for that might just be like, look, we just haven't had enough exposure in one another. We're not used to one another yet. That's that's right? a big
1: part of it. And like, you tend to see racism and hate and ignorance in in rural pockets where people don't actually interact with these groups. Homogeneous populations. Yeah, and, and like, and... that's one of the things I really found when I was dealing with groups like Wolves of Odin. Mm-hmm. You know, I would talk to these guys. <clears throat> and they would bring up, like, a piece of scripture, mm-hmm. and I would debate them on it. And and you would actually realize that, like, you're maybe to some extent actually affecting their views. Mm-hmm. And, like, these are fairly, like, pedestrian conversations. Like, we're not getting deep into theology here. Mm-hmm. But it came to mind to me that I was like, am I the only Muslim this guy's ever actually <laughs> spoken to? Like, like it
0: just... And you're you're re- representing an entire religion know, right, right now, yeah. so tre- tread carefully, right? And, like,
1: I'm not even a religious Muslim, but I recognize that <laughs> I'm visibly Muslim, my name's Muslim, and I right. do believe in the religion. I consider myself Muslim. Right. Like, I don't consider myself like you're a, practicing an ambassador. Every day. Right. Yes. Right. Well, no, yeah, no. Okay. I don't pray. <laughs> okay. But I'm certainly not like an ambassador for right. Islam. Yeah. But I, I'm comfortable enough yeah, speak with to the it. core tenets of it that like, I understand.
0: So as you're having this conversation with these guys, Wolves of Odin fellas in the biker jackets and the big beards, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> were they amenable were they to the discussion? Like you said they were actually learning? I think so. I think so. Um,
1: but like also fairly disingenuous about it. Like They pretend that they're trying to learn, but in reality they have their preconceived notions and they're trying to sort of validate right. the views they already have in their head. Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll come with a piece of scripture and be like, oh, what does your religion say to do about infidels? Yeah. And then you explain, like, well, yeah, it does say that about infidels, but you have mm-hmm. to keep in mind the context. This was written in. There was literally a war going on and, mm-hmm. like, the prophet was, like, people were threatening to kill him and, like, there was a lot of, um, like, it was a very turbulent time. Yeah. Right? And, right. and... So you've got to look at it in the context because um, also the fact that the Quran is written in, like, ancient Arabic. Mm-hmm. So it's basically akin to, like, Shakespeare. <laughs> so it's in, it's open to all sorts of interpretations, It's a little right? theatrical at yeah. some parts. Kind of, yeah, but, like, there's no doubting, like, um, Islam is not a pacifist religion, mm-hmm. but neither is Christianity. Right. If you read the Bible, it's pretty damn violent, Yeah, right? absolutely.
0: I mean, I don't think there's any religion today well any more of the the historic religions yeah the Abrahamic 3 yeah the Abrahamic 3 that that any rational person would would actually interpret word for word Mm -hmm. I mean like even in the Old Testament it talks about like if your if your virgin daughter gets raped yeah you get to sell her to the person or no if you rape her the virgin you get to buy her from her dad and then she's your wife. Oh. That's like in the text. And I can pull it up like I forget which <clears throat> verse it is. But it's just like, okay, let's not throw stones in glass houses yeah. <laughs> here. You know, if you're coming at this from a from totally. a white nationalist point of view or, a, you know, a Christian point of view. Now, to be fair, these
1: guys are also sitting there against Christianity. They claim to be pagan. Oh, they're just, oh. They be pagan.
0: What's the difference between pagan and atheism?
1: I think paganism is, is kind of like there, there are gods.
0: Hmm. Like... Old gods of the woods? Yeah,
1: so it's not monotheistic. It's it's They have, like, mm-hmm.
0: Odin. Well, I was going to say, if, they yeah, if they're referencing Odin, then it would be Norse mythology. Yeah,
1: so pagan... No, so they're not pagan. Norse... I don't know. So Okay, so they're all across the board, right? So one mm-hmm. guy who was with Wolves of Odin turned into Canadian infidels. He said he was just a straight-up atheist. Mm-hmm. And, yeah... Others have expressed sympathy for more, like, Norse mythology. So, like, yeah. Ordin, Odin, Fenrir, Loki, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... Not disparaging the, North, the Norse
0: mythology, but, I mean, no matter what you believe in, like, God, just believe in tolerance. Yeah, and
1: take it all with a grain of salt. And then don't, yeah, don't hate other people for what they believe. I think that's something yeah. I can all agree with.
0: I mean, like it just it, it blows my mind that and i mean the, the sad thing is that these people probably truly believe that they're doing the right thing yep. right like yep like no one wa- so. no one wakes up in the morning and goes hey i'm going to be a real shit person today and i'm going to going to mess a lot of people up because because i'm a bad guy it's yeah. probably like no i'm actually doing what i believe is right that always fascinates me i think that mm-hmm. like i think I forget if it's think it's the theory of everything but it's just like everything in the world makes sense yeah if you understand all the parts to it right like there's there's always a reason for something
1: that's my life goal make people understand (laughs) yeah just working towards that yeah
0: yeah so with all this going on now i mean like your focus is is on this but you've probably got other things going on yeah like i
1: i i I think the, the far right slash extremism beat is a really important one and I've kind of embraced it. For a while, the Yellow Vest stuff was just driving me insane because, mm-hmm. like, every story felt like it was the same thing. And mm-hmm. It was just this ongoing thing. But, like, extremism in the far right is, is definitely broader than than the Yellow Vest movement. But that's not all I report on. I report on, like, a lot of different things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, social issues, social change. <clears throat> One of my big things is, like, kind of, like, <clears throat> homelessness, affordable housing, addiction, mm-hmm. sort of the, like, marginalized in society. Mm-hmm so yeah what what in your life
0: kind of led you to that to kind of gravitate towards that huh
1: yeah that's that's a question um I guess I've always just had like a a sympathy and empathy and compassion for for you know people who are kind of falling between the cracks um yeah um I initially got to become a journalist because I wanted to cover like war Mm mm-hmm I want to be a war correspondent. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and that goal is not completely uh, out of my head either.
0: Why did you get off that track?
1: I didn't get off it. <clears throat> I'm just kind of building towards it. Um, I do I do want to work abroad, specifically in Lebanon and Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my goal. Because That's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's, that's basically where it all happened, right? I remember going there when I was like 11 or 12. And... Um, Yeah, this was, like, a seminal moment in my life because I remember um, seeing these... So, Lebanon, Beirut. really interesting city in that it's really glamorous and glitzy and, Mm -hmm. like, kind of European in a sense. Mm -hmm. But it also has this, like, tragic history of, like, consecutive civil war. Right. (laughs) So you go to downtown Beirut and, like, it's really nice and fashionable and snazzy and, like, these beautiful skyscrapers. And then right next to it, you'll see a building with, like bullet holes and, and rubble <laughs> oh, from bombs yeah. yeah and I remember seeing that like that exact picture like this beautiful glittering skyscraper and right next to it was this building with bullet holes and uh, my family is originally Palestinian from, from my dad's side mm-hmm. and so when I went to the refugee camp in Lebanon and you know having lived in a suburb of Toronto my whole life
2: mm-hmm.
1: just blew my mind seeing that right like right. just the the effects of war and the effects of poverty and realizing that i lived in a bubble my whole life yeah i bet so Eye that opening. was that was my goal right like yeah. i recognize i lived in a bubble and i recognize most canadians live in a bubble yeah. and i want to break them out of that right so yeah um <clears throat> war and, and, and crime are kind of like the uh sensational side of that but like just people who are suffering hmm in Canada, and people don't care. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it all comes down to for me as a
2: reporter.
0: Yeah, and I do you think it's a, a lack of caring, or do you think it's just a lack of awareness? I mean, like it's kind of like a yeah. it doesn't. You know, we've just everyone's got so much going on totally. in their lives, right? Yeah, like life. you've never there's never been a time where you've got more things to do, whether that's your work, your family, social media, Netflix golf skiing like it's just like because we're so wealthy we have all these things to take up our time Mm -hmm. and i i don't know like there probably is a percentage of the population that just doesn't care that like it's not my problem yep but i'm sure a lot of it's just a lack of awareness i think how bad it is
1: i think it's both and i think it's also like being desensitized to it Mm -hmm. so like one of the things i recognize as a reporter is when you present things in a very statistical way Mm -hmm. they're They're received that way, right? So like, it's just numbers and and figures. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you really focus in on a human story, like instead of saying "there's this many people dying of fentanyl Mm -hmm. in Edmonton," instead, here's a story of someone who almost died of fentanyl and is telling you their story. Like that human story tends to resonate with people a lot more. Not always, but um, like that's what I strive for to try and make those human stories. Yeah.
0: Click. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, just like even thinking of these these. You know far right hate groups that are that are in Alberta. Like when you break down the numbers, it's such an infinitesimally small percentage. Yep. Like I think it maxed out at like one of the subsets maxed out at seven hundred people in mm-hmm. twenty seventeen, and out of yep. a population of four point three, that's four point three million. That's zero point zero one percent population. And it's like, well, when you think of it that way, it kind of makes sense that like mm-hmm. if you think of. Beliefs is a bell curve, right? Like it yeah. makes sense that there's going to be extreme views on either side, but yep. that does not get people's attention. But yelling, no. and yelling then, racist neo-Nazi things in Churchill Square certainly does.
1: Oh, it did when I reported on it yeah. when it happened. Nobody seemed to care. <laughs> I guess not enough, It didn't get out to enough people, right? Right. Um, yeah, no. I, I think focusing on the numbers is shallow mm. because, like, the fact that 700 people do have these pretty extreme views mm-hmm. is concerning to me. And like I've said this a thousand and one times in the last week, but all it takes is the one guy, right? Right. And and we've seen that. Like people one of the most interesting things about the far right movement is this idea of self radicalization. Okay. So like Dylan Roof, am I getting that right? South Carolina shut up a church. I'm
0: not I think I, I'm I think not I think that, up on my mass shootings these Dylan days. Roof. Yeah.
1: Um so that guy totally self radicalized online. Yeah. Like he he, he was just like a normal kid, mm-hmm. and from his own um, his own admission, from what I understand, he basically started finding these forums and echo chambers online, right. and and like self radicalizing, and just like this slippery slope where, you know, you're you're hearing these views and it validates your own views, and then you hear even more extreme views, mm-hmm. and then you start embracing those views, and like it's just a kid sitting in his room right. on. His computer.
0: We see a normal. Goes- we see a normal kid, or did he start from a place of? marginalization or isolation like
1: i think he maybe had some instability in his family yeah but like that's never an excuse for killing people right
0: right but no like typically yeah but exactly but that's sort of how it starts no i agree you know that that isolation typically well adjusted people don't go shooting anything up um yes but the the process starts by you not having a good social community right Mm -hmm. like whether that's friends or family like whether, whether you're physically isolated or even just mentally isolated that can be a big one too right you yeah. can have lots of people around you but you can feel like you're the only one for you know a, a variety of reasons yeah man
1: and i think that's a big part of this too right like we we may know of 700 people mm-hmm. but how many people are online in support of those yeah. 700 yeah you know and that's when it gets nasty like the online right. space it's just a breeding ground for hate
0: yeah my worry is like getting swept up in a group too like The yellow vests, okay, the originals, say they, the OG yellow vests, say they, uh, they, you know, they're not part of this, um, you know, white supremacist sort of xenophobic um, grouping. Yeah. Um, But they keep getting labeled as it by uh, by people, and they're saying, well, you know, you're giving them a platform, and Mm -hmm. when you get othered, you're like, well. I'm just going to go with the people that aren't trying to insult me and offend yep. me and put me down. So this like us versus them just polarizes people, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, I'm not them, but they're the closest thing to me, I guess. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm with them. Like. Yeah. And then you'd hear that a lot,
1: right? Like you'd mm-hmm. go to these rallies and they'd be like, oh, we don't speak to the lamestream media because you guys are always picking <laughs> against lame each The lamestream media? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. I think one of the things, the con- the convoy to Ottawa, they very specifically said, this is about oil and gas, this is about pipelines, yeah. this is not about immigration. Yeah. But then when they got to Ottawa, the anti-immigration message got back up. So like it's like right. they couldn't escape it.
0: It's going to be frustrating for those guys too. Like, God yeah. damn it. Yeah. You know God what? damn it, Bob. <laughs> we said we weren't going to talk about that here. You always do this. You're embarrassing me in front of the prime minister <laughs> yeah that's
1: funny like it's it's. I, I laugh and I shouldn't be laughing
0: <laughs> what was going on in Lebanon when your parents took you there was it in conflict or no, it, no oh so it was safe at that time
1: it was but Lebanon's always in conflict so there was there was still some shit popping off in uh
0: it's code yellow not code red pretty much that kind of thing
1: but um yeah no it's not like I was in the middle of a war zone or anything but Lebanon is just a very unstable country so yeah Kind of par for the course.
0: I have um, I have this kind of like lifelong goal of going to Lebanon. Oh yeah. Mostly because um, we were playing a game one time and it was places you'd want a vacation that started with L. And okay. I said Lebanon without thinking, and everyone made fun of me. And then I looked up pictures of Lebanon and it looked beautiful. And I've had <laughs> barbers from Lebanon. Yeah. And I'm like hell I yeah, I gotta go to Lebanon. Yeah. So that's that's my goal at some point to go to Lebanon. I also want to go to Israel really bad. Um, but from what I understand, you can't go to one from the other. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the closest jumping off point? Cyprus. Cyprus. I think okay. you've Cyprus. Yeah. And then going to i got Israel. good friends from Cyprus, so we'll go check them out, too. No, po-
1: next podcast interview, why is every barber in Edmonton Lebanese? <laughs>
0: Dude, I don't know. Is it because their hair grows thicker? Like, <laughs> that's know. probably why. <laughs> I think like, you got a like, solid mat of hair
1: out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, mine's very coarse. I don't think mine's typical Lebanese because I'm half Egyptian. Okay. But, uh, I don't know. That's a... That's your next top podcast episode. <laughs> Why is every barber an
0: It's got to be like some type of self-fulfilling thing, right? Like it's a fashion, Like, like it's your, a very... your buddy or your cousin's over there and then yeah. you're immigrating and you're like, hey, what do you do over there? I cut hair. It's like, oh, fuck, I could cut hair. Yeah,
1: totally. I think that's it. <laughs> it's like, there were, there were, I actually read a story about this in the New York Times yeah. about like Koreans and dry cleaning. Oh yeah, and how like every dry cleaning place in the world is owned by Koreans, and I think that that is what it is. It's a family networking thing,
0: right? See, these are fun stereotypes. Like these are stereotypes that actually like in they endear you to other populations, right? Like it's so. Wait, are we being racist? No. See, it's okay. So I had this like the first year I went to university because I grew up in Vancouver. So I went to a school that was like. I'd say probably fifty percent Chinese, right? Yep. Half my friends were Chinese. Like it just I never even thought of them really as different other than looking a little different, yep. right? So it was um, when I went there I made like a Chinese joke to one mm-hmm. buddy who's from Ontario. Yep. And he's like, that's kind of racist. And I go, Oh no, you don't get it. Where I come from, that's okay, right? Like it's <laughs> it's that ability to like laugh at yourself and laugh at other people that yeah. totally cuts through the racism. I right? think that's true. And the intent and the context of it. Yeah. I think that's true I
1: tend to make light of serious issues like that all the time but I think it depends on the person who's receiving the message right mm-hmm. I like think if they're not if they don't find it funny it's not yeah. funny
0: for sure well it's cont- contextual you gotta know your audience yeah it's the exact same thing if you're if you're hitting on someone of the opposite sex you've yep. gotta know your audience yep. right? you can't yep. just you, you might have a friend who you say something to that's kind of crude and they laugh because it's hilarious and they know you you might say the exact same thing to a stranger and you mm-hmm. get called out for you know sexual harassment yeah and yeah and I, I don't I don't Subscribe to the idea that
1: like race and religion and sexuality should be like unbreachable topics. Mm-hmm. I think we should talk about them, but in a respectful way, right? Yeah, now. 100%. That's what it comes down to, yeah. and Like, I think, <clears throat> like, there's that one comedian, Russell Peters. Yeah, he's a he does a great job of like literally making fun of everyone's race. Mm-hmm so that like nobody's left out. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and he grew up in such a multicultural place in Ontario. There, yeah. Right. Like yeah. That, that's what he experienced and that's what he knew. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. But I mean, yeah, like you show that to a person of any color, they're going to laugh at that. Cause yeah. it's a, he's hysterical and B it's just, there's no one safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's like, we either do it to everyone or we do it to no one. Right. right. Yeah. And it, that's,
1: that's tricky territory. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he pulls it off pretty well. It's just the same
0: thing with life in general. But People, yeah,
1: like race is such a... Like a white guy couldn't go up on stage and
0: do that. You couldn't do it. Depends on the delivery, I think. Maybe. But the thing is, they should be able to do it. Anyone I should be able I to do it.
1: I don't think he could, no. You
0: I don't, don't think he, he could? Off, no. I, I still think it depends on the delivery. I mean, we are at a weird time where like comedy and politics have kind of like synthesized into one thing, which yeah. is super weird. Um, I forget yeah. who it was. It might have been someone I listened to on a podcast. They said like comedy used to be you go like go to a comedy show and you laugh and you're ha, like hysterical guttural laugh. Right. Now it's like you go on you go to a comedy show and you're like ha ha and you clap. It's like yeah. ah, I agree with that. You <laughs> know, or that yeah. is
1: true. Louis C. K. ruined it for everyone.
0: <laughs> he's still ridiculous. Uh, I, I
1: used to love the guy and I I still appreciate his comedy. I just I think he's probably a bit of a creep in real life. But yeah. That doesn't change like some of his observations about the society we live in.
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting topic, too. Like, do you how do you separate the art from the artist, right? Mm. Like, like do you still listen to Michael Jackson? I never did. Oh, never? <laughs> because you didn't like the music? Because you didn't like the guy?
1: I, I just didn't really. I, I don't know. I appreciate him as a singer, but I was just never really into pop.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But uh, I did watch Leaving Neverland.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet.
1: Oh, man, you got to it's quite a buckle in it's quite yeah it's a, it's a long four hours but yeah where
0: well, would you find it is it on netflix no no i found it in the uh, 4chan in the guild in, in the galaxy <laughs> <laughs> in the ether out there oh. googled it <laughs> yeah i googled it i'll check you that too. out um i think we covered everything that i wanted to cover Do we cover everything you wanted to cover i think so um it's been a good good discussion yeah it was kind of kind of wide ranging, which is typically how these go, mm-hmm. but um you know, I hit my main points and I asked my questions, and I appreciate it. I definitely learned learned from you um yeah, I think it was good, you know, like one of the things I just want to say like I'm not an expert on anything mm-hmm.
1: you know, like I'm literally a guy who reports what he sees and what he hears, and I was seeing and hearing some pretty weird stuff going mm-hmm. on in the city of Edmonton, and yeah. that's all I did, yeah, and
0: yeah, it struck a nerve, yeah. I mean, everyone everyone's, is quick to attribute an agenda, right? Like, your agenda is just simply, like, you get paid to write stories, and you're putting stuff out there that you think is relevant. The
1: Red Star, that's what people call us now.
0: What's the Red Star?
1: Uh, the Toronto Star. Oh, the Red Star. They call me a star. Because, yeah, the, the rebranding is. <laughs> it has been an interesting journey.
0: So, do you have any uh, big things coming up this year? Big things. Uh, big events, big journeys.
1: Not really, man. Just Big things
0: you're covering. I'm definitely going to be
1: trying to dig more into the far-right extremism issues. Mm-hmm. But those aren't the kind of stories you can just pull out of a hat. No. Right? And you can't just report on anything that's, like, vaguely hateful. Because mm-hmm. then you get the sensationalism accusations, right? Yeah. So I definitely you know stay tuned at one point i was kind of like this is like an accidental beat how did i end up writing about extremism and islamophobia
0: so much so much in life seems to be like that you just you just hit something and you run with it right yeah yeah but um are you gonna infiltrate any of these groups you can be like chappelle (laughs) like the muslim the muslim white supremacist (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know if i can pull that off
1: Uh, no, no infiltrations planned. Just uh, stay tuned. We'll, we're going to continue highlighting these these issues that affect our citizens. And uh, your guess is as good as mine. It's an interesting time to be a reporter, that's for sure. It's
0: a fun time for me to start paying attention. <laughs> uh, Omar, where can people find you? Uh, you could
1: find me on Twitter. So Omar Mosley, O-M-A-R-M-O-S-L-E-H. probably the best place to to follow my public persona
0: perfect all right man i appreciate this great meeting you see ya. hey listeners sincere thanks as always to you guys for tuning in one final announcement to make and that is that the alberta podcast network powered by atb is happy to be partnering with northwest fest edmonton's international documentary festival and, as a documentary filmmaker myself, I'm stoked that we have such a well-organized and well-attended festival right here in Edmonton. Northwest Fest runs May 12th to May... no, cancel that. May 2nd to May 12th at Metro Cinema, and it features dozens of short and feature-length nonfiction films. One of the films showing is The Trouble with Wolves on May 4th, and if you go, you'll also have a chance to meet Chris chang Phillips of Let's Find Out, a fellow member of the podcast network. The current season of Let's Find Out focuses on how nature and humans shape each other. So this is a show that's a great fit for that film of his. Uh, Tickets and passes are available at northwestfest.ca. Use the discount code APN2019 to get 10% off any general admission ticket except for that of opening night. Uh, Choose the shows you want to see at northwestfest.ca then apply the discount code APN2019 at checkout. That's it for this week. We'll see you guys next time.